Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm Andy Kinnick. And I'm JJRT Mess. And today we're going to be talking about Transistor. Transistor was a game uh, developed by Supergiant Games, and uh, it was released on PC and on the PlayStation 4 in 2014. And that's actually all. Oh no, no, it's it's uh, it's on iOS in like I think February 2015. Oh, well, recently it was put on the phone. Yes, that you can play. That's weird. So Transistor is um, most of the time referred to as like an action RPG, and it's Supergiant's follow-up to uh, Bastion, which has like a similar perspective but not similar mechanics at all. Not even a little. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's in fact sort of a misnomer. Uh, I remember watching the trailer when they first announced the release of the game and thinking that the correlation would be a whole lot more one-to-one. Because I was a fan of Bastion. I wasn't fanatic or anything, but I was excited enough uh, to want to look into the rest of their offerings. Um, but, oh, one of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, that This one. game. <laughs> <sighs> but... Transistor is deeply emotionally affected, JJ. It has. It has. Yeah. As you can tell by the sigh. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, the question that we all ask, and by all I mean literally just the three of us, ask at the beginning of every episode, is why we're talking about the game. And I think that the most like coherent way to put why we're talking about this game is that this game took JJ's pants and blew them straight off of his body. <laughs> yeah. He did um, insist that we both play the game, and that we talk about it here against our will. <laughs> that would be a little strong. Is that, is that actually, even if it is strong, is it uh, even in some way related to your final opinion? Am I forcing you against your will to talk about this game? No. Well, I actually think that in the like at the end of this... Andy liked the game slightly more than I did, and I actually had already purchased the game <laughs> on my PlayStation, so, like, playing this game was not, like, a hassle. I just got, like, a text message, and I was like, oh, okay, and then, like, booted the console <laughs> and started playing it. Okay, then, I guess, since I'm the one who uh, forced this game on the docket anyway... <laughs> Uh, I can ask the first question that I wanted to on the cast, which is, uh, what do you guys think actually happened in the game? Like, you're talking, like, plot-wise. Yeah. The whole plot? Yeah. Or just the ending? If nothing you but the plot. You want to go really So broad. help you guys. <laughs> anything. Anything you want. I don't know. I get, um, I apologize if this is too, apologize if this is too, like, highfalutin, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, uh, comparison to make. I don't think it is. But I get a very, like, Isaac Asimov feel from it, because the game is clearly, like, set and exists within this sci-fi, like, aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is the type of thing where when you play through the game and just sort of experience, like, the things that are happening, while there are certain plot elements that you absolutely, like, need to process, pun intended... Uh, <laughs> you, uh, they, a lot of times those are things where either one, you don't have control of the character at the time, or it's in one of those, like, single animation frame, like, moving background. Oh, yeah, one of those things. Segments, where it really sort of drives home the point. 
But it's a game that has a lot under the surface that you can get into if you choose to. Yeah. And my experience with it was that I probably didn't pick up on everything, but got the majority of the main plot down. But I never really felt driven to like do a deep dive while I was playing the game. It's something that I may have been interested in going back to afterward, but not actually during play itself. Yeah, I think it's a game that warrants a replay because like you don't like necessarily like the game delivers so little plot mm. like early in the game that like by the time you get to the end like is when you have all the questions. So, it'll be upon like watching Chad play it after I had just finished I think it, like help me get a better grasp on the plot. Yeah. The the plot itself is sort of like a circle within a circle in terms of the at the, you start at the beginning. It's not really like a it's not like a full on like memento thing. Yeah. Or like a Donnie Darko. Right. <laughs> what happens is that like you start and you pull the transistor out of a guy who has died. And like there's a little like blurb that comes up that says like transistor kills today one. So it's pretty clear like what happened on like the uh, basic like surface level. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the story is told in flashbacks that occur after, like, certain events in-game. And then the main plot itself wraps back around on itself when you return to Fairview post, like, complete process takeover. Yeah. So it's got, like, the story itself is convoluted, and if you tried to draw the plot line... (laughs) Like, representationally on a piece of paper, it would also be convoluted. (laughs) What's not convoluted about the plot and what they establish from the second you start the game, the first image that comes up of Red standing over uh, the corpse with the transistor in it is your motivation, and that this is some kind of a revenge quest. Your voice has been stolen, this guy uh, is dead, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. But even that, even the learning aspect might be secondary to just punishing these people, whoever they might be. But with the game, with that established, you can just go hog wild after that. Uh, But the game trusts you to be curious about its setting and doesn't force the setting upon you in any way if you don't want to. You beat the game without touching any wall of text anywhere, of which there were many. Right. Uh, And you still had an idea of your motivations that was just less clear for you to be able to trace things. Uh, but yeah, it's like... Trace things. Oh, uh, uh, trace, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like, at least in this group of people, I hold the unpopular opinion of the reason, and, like, the reason why I didn't go into that. Like, you know the menu, when you examine a process, no, when you examine a function, yeah. that's what they're called, uh, it will, like, explain... Because you pick them up from citizens who have been processed, and when you absorb, like, these floating cubes, I don't know if they ever gave, like, a proper name to... That's their trace. That's the trace? Yep. Okay, so that's a trace. The people have been processed. If we throw these, like, proper nouns around, I'm trying to at least make them make sense, uh, you kind of can view, like a, like, a biography of the person, and then as you associate which we'll get into the combat system because it's like the main selling point of the game yes but as you like 
experiment and put things with other things and into things and around things, you unlock more of their, like, biography and, like, data about them. And I felt like I didn't really want to sit and read all of that because I kind of find the combat itself to be boring, and I didn't want to sit and read a bunch of text to draw out the amount of time that I was spending in between combats. Wait, you found the combat boring, so you didn't want to read the biographies? Yeah, you're just adding boring on top of boring. <laughs> That's some boring icing on top of some boring oh, cake. So you didn't want to spend more time in doing a thing that sucks, I see. Well, and also, I mean, you're reading in a menu... Like, that's cool, but, like, my favorite parts of this game that I will say outright the game does better than most games are the visual and audio design. I think they're outstanding. Yeah. I was, yes, not a judgment that you didn't read it, just an observation. Mm -hmm. The the game works because it establishes a motivation regardless of whether or not you want to dig, but, oh shit, if you want to dig, there is digging to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. I found out a few things just from, like, cursory like, reviewing of, like, plot details that I did not pick up on at all for really obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, did either of you pick up, and probably the least subtle of all the things the game was trying to mention, that you're in a computer? Oh, like, because you use functions, and a thing called transistor controls the city. Then <laughs> you can change its, like, physics and appearance. Yeah, and everyone can change the things at will. Mm. I don't really... <sighs> I did not. Oh, okay. I would straight up say that. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, there are a few things about it that I feel like are inconsistent. Not with, like, the game itself, but, like, I don't understand a lot... This is what I was just saying earlier, is that I don't understand character motivation particularly well in this game. Mm-hmm. So... I guess that's why I didn't really pick up on a lot of detail stuff, but, like, I don't get why... I don't... I'll get into this later, I think. Okay. So, we'll continue. You were gonna say... Oh! uh, I didn't pick up on the computer thing. Yeah. Uh, Is that, like, a a canon explanation? Like, is that true? Virtually nothing is, like, true canon in this game, because everything sort of obscured around lots of like proper nouns that make things weird probably mm-hmm. the one that's the closest to canon but still unknown is uh do you ever i don't even know if you without reading anything saw any of this but any of the references to going to the country yeah they said that in words yeah like yeah in, yeah in the game yeah but yeah it, but had that's essentially just like world. within the context of the with in the context of the game it's just dying like that's uh, just like a heaven euphemism Right. Yeah. The, the first time you read it, it, it can be suggested that out of context they might actually be leaving the place, but I, I think most people agree that it's like a literal death so, at least leaving the computer. Are they real people, or are they just like Tron computer program people? Unclear. Don't know if it really matters either way, because they, they, so they, they like, have like... Because they're like they brain in vats or yeah, something. Or, right. Well, um... <laughs> I guess this isn't evidence one way or the other either for other reasons, but um, in the, the final boss fight, um, when you go into your turn mode and then out of it, you're in that like crazy transistor country land, mm-hmm. and there are those little sort of computer-looking cubes sitting around in the field, mm-hmm. uh, and if when you go into turn, you can see like individual like, human-like spirits in all of the cubes, right. 
uh, and there's an exact number of cubes equal to the number of functions that exist in the game. Well, I definitely wouldn't have picked up on that. <laughs> no, I didn't notice that either. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't count. I noticed that there was, like, stuff in them. But well, you would have to hit... I didn't think about it too much. You would oh, have I was to hit busy Matt fighting hit... a boss. <laughs> you would have I to told hit... you guys. I told you before well, we started this, pay attention to literally everything. Okay, hey, but we're not going to... Just because you details. told us doesn't I mean we're going to notice everything. <laughs> I and I just actively disobeyed that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's the way You would have to hit max level, though, wouldn't you? Because you unlock different... Uh, functions as you... I think so, yeah, but right. the max level isn't as far. I think, I think I hit it before I got to the end of the game. Uh, well, you used... Uh, the limiters. The limiters, right, yeah. which I did not use. <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah. For reference, I actually, even though how much focus I'm putting on it in the early parts of our conversation here, I actually think narrative, compared to how fantastic the game is that everything else is one of the things that it is least good at, because I think it overshoots uh, too far into the like obscure realm of things. Particularly what goes on at the very, very end of the game uh, is, I think, not as clear as it should be. The game clearly wants to leave itself open for like various forms of interpretation of even the most basic things like the setting and like where you are like during the final boss fight and after you kill yourself in the very last scene of the game. But um, it's there's a difference between not providing enough information and having the information you do provide being kind of contradictory in many ways. And that's what's made it hard for uh, anyone to set up a theory that isn't like rife with problems about what's actually going down. Do you have an example of contradicting story uh, elements? Well, uh, they, with all the references of like going to the country and stuff, um, it's clear that you're in a computer. Uh, and Is it though? <laughs> <laughs> just to like for clarification it is very much like a programmer's game yeah, where like yeah. the functions you use are formatted like they are functions in a programming language and you can insert other functions into them as arguments as well right it could which be is, like yeah. just like a sci-fi concept like, I suppose, but it does like, like... A, kind of like a Wizard of Oz thing where like it's like an illusion projected over like a real city right but I mean like with the exception of, I guess, does Red even open... Like, when you open a door, does Red actually do anything when to, you, like, manipulate the environment at all? Oh, She no. never, like, opens a door. Right. No. I feel like it's implied that Transistor is, like, the only... Or not the only, but, like, what... Because it's the thing that sort of controls the world itself. Yeah. Is, like, as the, like, living embodiment of the code base... Sort of the only way to manipulate the environment at all. Even more specifically than that, uh, if I had a specific one of the like crazy bad shit theories after thinking about this a lot that I came to is that uh, I think the transistor is actually the setting of the game. I think like the the conceit of your setting is that uh, you're in a computer that is powerful enough to be able to simulate itself. Okay, and there's like a getting into rabbit holes here. Uh, it explains the new game plus mode, uh, and it explains uh, the other inconsistency that I was about to explain okay. between the final boss, uh, which is when you get to the cradle and put the transistor in, uh, you appear to like go to the country, uh, but there's all these crazy transistors that have all the place, and the boxes that appear to contain the souls of all the individuals who live in Cloud Bank. Um, but that I also that you also go to the country at the end of the game. That's not the main contradiction. Like when you die. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like the literal country. You walk toward a barn. Yeah, yeah. 
There's a barn. There's also a barn in the final boss fight. Right, but there's also an enormous sword sticking out of right, the ground. So. Right, So there's, like... So it's, like, unclear, because you can't both be going... You can't be going to the same place each time. Because right. when you're going uh, into the country from the cradle, like the sword country is what I'll call it for shorthand, uh, A, you're clearly not out of the program, because you can still affect it with the transistor. Right. Like, you, you still have... You are still red... Uh, the guy, uh, I'll, I'll call him Blue, the like disembodied male voice who's your lover, lover through the game. Oh, sure. Yeah. He doesn't exist there as a physical person. You just he's just in a transistor still, and mm-hmm. you fight with him. But when you go to the country through killing yourself, he's now there. It's just like a person, and you are too with your voice. Right. So they aren't the same location. Right. But in one instance she dies, and the other instance she does not. And yeah, in the other instance she's like through ambiguous terms through the last antagonist like pulled in in some way. Right. Do you and think re- that's like projected like be like by the transistor? Well, what I think specifically is that whatever computer the setting of the game is on um, is continually making copies of itself as the transistor, so that there's like there's like a multiple, it's like a sandwich of countries in which you keep sifting between, uh, okay. like country, cloud bank, country, cloud bank, over and over again, so that when you are uh, going to the country through the cradle, you are going up a level back to where there are already like a bunch of branching different transistors, and when you're going down a level, you're at a location where there hasn't been a lot of branches yet, so there's no transistors in the country. If that makes any sense at all. Huh. I don't know, but you are definitely, like, maintaining your title as king of metaphors. <laughs> uh, yeah. but That took it a little far for me. Yeah. You I'm, lost me, JK. <laughs> I feel like that's not even, like... I mean... But the point I, I think I should make with this is right. not even that I think that theory is, like, exclusively valid. It's that the game is so vague that in order to explain inconsistencies, like the two different countries you go to at the end, you have to go, like, that far. I think right. it's a little far narratively for it to go. Well, I mean, the other explanation is that, like, the people, quote, the people, whatever we're going to call them, yeah. that are contained within, like, Cloud Bank as a whole are, in fact, real people. In fact, it may be a simulation that's set up with, like, a voluntary, uh, like, access to it. Yeah. And then dying in the in the game does not in fact make you die for real but in fact just boots you back out into the real world mm-hmm. which for all we know could be like post-apocalyptic or some shit of course because we're talking about Fallout 4 today I'm Chad Rotherman uh, <laughs> <laughs> twist um, the biggest lead in ever <laughs> but there's other stuff record broken if I, if I had to sit for it that, that suggests control like uh, although you didn't use them the limiters uh, they make the process stronger, right. but they're chips that you actually put on your physical transistor, right. suggesting some kind of relationship between your setting. Uh, the process is essentially just like wiping the hard drive, literally. I don't know about that. Because in the end, um, okay, <laughs> this is what I was going to get into before, and I thought it was a much more appropriate time to, about me not understanding character motivations, Yeah, is that it's basically the... It's, it's at least implied, if not explicitly stated, that the Camerata, who are the people who created the process and are like the antagonistic group at the beginning of the game. I don't know if they... they you made a face like they didn't create the process. They didn't. They discovered the process. They discovered, they discovered the process. 
Sorry. Glasses. <laughs> <laughs> they discovered the process. Yeah. Well, it's important because it, because it suggests that they're, the process are an unseen part of the setting instead of a thing made by the camarada. Right. The process are like part of the code of whatever's going on in a location and that they're just being controlled by the transistor that they found and right. made it explicit. Well, they found the transistor and that's the important bit because they attempted to use it to kill you. Kill Red. Yeah. Who is a nightclub singer, and it doesn't make a lot of sense in theory that they would want to kill a nightclub singer for no reason. The at the that end was my the, biggest thing too was I had no idea why they wanted right. to kill. At the end of the game, and this is why I don't think that the processor like actively like wiping sectors or something. Yeah, is that you use your restored voice to like revert things that were, like, process-ified, like those white cubes, back into, like, the ground and scenery that they once were. Yeah. Which means that, one, that seems to me like uh, that is motivation for them to kill you because you can revert what the process does. But I also don't think that the... uh, Like, the process are wiping things. I think they're just reshaping them in a weird way. And that's, I don't get what the process's, like, intent is. If it has it. Or if it's, like, just an animal sort of, like, takeover for takeover's sake. Yeah, no hard answers. My, the thing that I drew from it was that uh, once the Camerata lost access to the transistor, Red had no fucking idea what to do with it or how right. to use it beyond some lot of like the very blunt actions that she took over the course of the game like you know just shove it into the ground and cause an explosion <laughs> um it, it also explains the leveling because she's becoming pro- progressively more familiar once she gets the functions how to use the actual thing and shape the world by the end of the game right is that the process wasn't getting instructions anymore so they just did null they just actively did nothing there's also arguments to be made that they could have gained some kind of sentience were no longer under control of an outside source and just kept trying to replicate themselves. There's lots of different ways you can go with it, but I think the important thing to recognize is that there is that they, I think, intentionally within the design of the game didn't build in an easy answer, and that they might have not given us enough for it to be as interesting as it could have been. I would, I would have rather had a situation uh, where we just lacked information in the situation where we got where we just get lots of sort of contradictory information that sort of suggests different things at different layers of the game layers again <laughs> uh, I don't know I feel like it's sort of like uh, almost like expected of a sci-fi like a piece of science fiction like like any sort of work to be like really wordy and have like in-depth like sort of deep and nuanced like storytelling and I feel like it doesn't always serve the like best of the story mm-hmm. and I felt sort of that way like I felt there was too much information for me to have the desire to take it in like I maybe if I was more invested in the game as a whole I would have wanted to it was optional for that reason like yeah. you said you, you're fine one way or the other yeah like I overall had a positive experience with the game but like at like for the rest of the night, I wasn't sitting there going like, "Oh, where was I?" <laughs> I was immediately. Uh, right. I never even questioned that. <laughs> Just take it like on a fully literal yeah. basis, and that's actually like it's totally like an acceptable way to like interpret it. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh, sci-fi setting, weird computer city." 
Right. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I'm all you had me at computers. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's like completely possible they're in a computer, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. I guess so then if but that's our takeaway from the narrative structure oh, of the game. You never said if you had an opinion on why they wanted to kill Red. Oh, yeah, yeah, if if you uh, read more of the background information of all the other functions, um, they were just, it, just like anyone. It didn't have to be like a specialist. They were trying to sort of absorb the functions of people who they thought were like better in some vague definition. Like the 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 jaunt function mm-hmm. is from a race car driver. The stealth function is from like a performance artist. Uh, there's one girl who, who like designs the weather in the setting. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like weird artsy, uh, you know, greater than thou types that they were trying to right. absorb covertly. My favorite function, uh, bounce? the name. Nah, well, bounce was my real favorite function, but <laughs> the I forget actually what the name of the function is. You get it really late in the game. Oh, call. Cull is a, is a yeah, is a linebacker. <laughs> I just say he's like whoop and just throw a guy straight into the air. That's fun. That's a good time. But if you're wondering specifically uh, why red, there's a lot of sort of vague possible explanation for that too. Which and is why is her ability crash? That's not something more musical related. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's uh, her and uh, blue uh, both have abilities that. Uh, suggest sort of like these crazy destructive natures. Right. Most of the others, even if they also do destructive things, aren't like inherently. They aren't worded like break, smash, explode, or anything. <laughs> no, like <yeah>. that. <laughs> but uh, Sybil, do you remember the girl with the little mm-hmm. parasol? Um, if you read more on sort of that relationship, meaning uh, actually the best boss in the game. Oh Sybil. yeah, I'm so fucking glad. Yeah, Sybil's the Sybil really fight. Good. Literally is going to probably haunt me for the next decade. I don't know about haunting. It's oh, definitely yeah. the most Not fun boss fight in the game. Then. Once I, I have a lot more to say about this. Okay. I have to explain this, but uh, it, they suggested that uh, Sybil had a romantic uh, feeling for Red, mm. uh, and since the Camerata were, she was a member of the Camerata, and she was the person who would pick targets. And since they were going around picking performance artists, she convinced them to go after Red knowing that Blue would be there at the time, under the expectation that they would kill Blue and she could, like, like get him out of the way, the way so that she could, in uh, some, like, really crazy, fucked-up way, attempt to be with her. Right. I actually thought that she had was crazy because she had been processed. But that I, she was crazier because she oh, was yeah. processed. <laughs> so she, was just, she started at a net crazy and then got crazier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was it was her decision to do that that set the events of the game in motion. Uh, because she fucked up. The connection between blue and red is what caused the transistor to switch ownership to her. Right. Um, which is what was unexpected and allowed red to just fuck the game. everything up. It allowed yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that civil f- boss fight, Jesus Christ. Not only was the lead up in it mechanically great because it's the first period where you're actually given like a full test of uh, the very limited abilities you have at this point in the game and to really experience the systems like it's around the time when I started to use jaunt and realized how important jaunt was to 
all the different components of the game. Yeah, I lost to John a total of twice over the course of the game, and both times I felt like I was playing a different game that made me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the whole fight like continues uh, to suggest like the weird kind of crazy ownership relationship. They do this a lot in the game uh, where the songs, oh, even though it suggested that the songs existed before the narrative takes place, but mm-hmm. the songs are relevant to what's happening what right then like there's actually a song that's just called the spine of the world which is that huge crazy right. monster, monster creature um but like the song uh what? Go on. Yeah. no sorry the, the the song uh song during the sibyl fight uh is called in circles and the lyrics are talking about how uh when first red starts singing it initially when you're going through the fight uh talking about how, sort of metaphorically, she's looking down at Sybil and is seeing a person who is sort of like a spider being, like, flushed down the drain. Uh, and, like, his life is, like, going into, like, a shitty spiral based on unintentional actions and how uh, she won't save you. That's, like, the sort of the refrain of the song. It's just, like, I won't save you. Um, and then once you get to the third tier of the boss fight, Sybil sings it back to you the whole song changes into, like, a crazy sort of, like, hard drive noise, like, animatronic voice, uh, where it's Sybil singing, saying the same thing to her, and it makes sense in context. Uh, I don't know, uh, like, the canon status of the singing, because obviously Red can't sing by this point, so she wasn't literally singing at the time, but, right. uh, like, a lot of the other different portions of the game, because it's in a computer, the line between like, the kind of things that are happening in the game that are canon and the kind of things that aren't is sort of fuzzily drawn. So I was taking it that there, at, the, at the time, at least when I first played it, that maybe Sybil was the one singing her songs anyway, and that through the whole game it was the process singing Red's songs because I have that weird fucking obsession with her. Right. As evidenced by the end. Uh, but yeah, essentially, like, not only was the boss mechanically good, uh, where you have this like crazy teleporting thing that's extremely threatening and forces you into the run uh, and gun tactics that most of the rest of the combat in the game is going to be defined by. But you have this like really interesting visually designed villain. Uh, you set up an, an extremely subtle but nonetheless poignant like emotional care- connection between the two. Who where one had the sort of crazy love relationship to the other and is now corrupted, just like attempting to li- kill each other. Uh, and I don't know. I just found Sybil singing the song back extremely emotionally affecting, and not just because the song itself was really prettily sung. And that song will stay with me Man. for a long time. Were there actually lyrics in the song in game? Not in game. Well, the third verse has like the. No, all of them have lyrics. I never heard any lyrics. The whole game, you never heard any lyrics. I thought not it was all one. replaced with humming. Yeah, but you can. I mean, you can hum. You can. By no, I, mean, a I thought I remembered all the music that happened in the fights. Like it had like what sounded like would be lyrics, but they were all being hummed. No, the the boss fights. I don't know the exact distinction because the, the songs don't always have lyrics. Um, they can just be like the refrains of the songs. But you can look up all the songs too if you want to. And I know for a fact that during the boss fights there are lyrics. Uh, I never noticed that. Yeah. One of the other things you get back to, because the lyrics are always relevant to what's going on to the end, in like a weird, crazy, metaphorical way. Well, I mean, yeah, in, not only that, but I think the way that the game's music was composed, they composed them as full, like, fully produced songs, and then would take 
parts of the songs out in order to dynamically like change how the music sounded during the game. Mm-hmm. Because you can get the, the soundtrack released simultaneously with the game when it came out. Yeah. So for like a few bucks, like you can you could have just picked it up and it would have had like the full like the entire every layer of the song on it for yeah. you to listen to and that would be a little bit less ambiguous. But See, I don't really remember the Sybil fight being difficult. It wasn't. It's not. It was the first time that I ever like lost a health bar. But yeah. nothing in the game is as we normally. At least I think, anyways, would normally define it difficult. Is I say I remember that boss looking really cool, right. but like other than that, well, I just thought it was the most interesting boss fight. Yeah, I mean, it was. It had a cool weekend. setup too, as yeah. well. But yeah, I, if I would have noticed the lyrics, I probably would have liked it more. <laughs> the last moment where like Sybil was just like attempting to like crawl towards you constantly, still right. like inches from death. I'm surprised I didn't do anything like that before. I, I was actually a little disappointed that none of the other boss fights of the game, I thought, came close to the Sybil fight in effectiveness toward me. But I grant that the reasons that that fight affected me were probably... It was a culmination of factors that may not have been able to be repeated and not even be the game's fault, strictly speaking. Right. So. What? Oh, good. I was going to say, it feels like the game is missing like a boss fight. Right. I, I feel like there's only three. Yeah. And I feel like there needs to be, like, one more in the game. I don't know. I feel like the game was, like, it was the appropriate length for what it wanted to be. Oh, yeah. I I thought the length was pretty perfect as well. But I I don't think that, like, in order to introduce another boss fight, because of what they wanted to do narratively with the game, they would have had to have introduced, I I guess, theoretically, they could have left the guys alive instead of having them kill themselves. But then that that changes their motivation completely. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But what the fuck is it? You you've done clearly more research on this than any of us have. Oh, fuck yes. What is the spine of the world, and why does it affect uh, the transistor? The, well, the personality of the transistor. It's uh, it's a I did, I don't know anything about it other than it is a huge process in terms of that. But my theory about why uh, it causes the transistor to go crazy and red like that. Right. It's because it's just like loading a huge object into like a game. It it's making the computer run slower. It's back to the the transistor is like just a simulation of a computer within a computer repetitively. Right. It's because the spine of the world is in the setting of cloud bank is causing the computer to run slowly, which is causing the transistor to act crazy. Uh, yeah. I thought yeah, yeah, it yeah. might just be like a computer virus or something. I just thought it would just be yeah. Like I don't understand what the spine of the, they're like. They call it the spine of the world, and there's just like a it's represented as just a huge squid. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know the fuck I'm doing. Right is, it, now. is it actually a squid? I think it only has one out. arm, but it looks like a squid. It's just, it does look like a squid I mean, when it's, it's like flying around through the background and stuff. I've never I also, took any like still frames of that. Yeah. I've never seen yeah. anyone like any like co comprehensive picture of it, like, lined up anywhere. Because yeah. right. I, I, I also thought that it was going to be a squid before I fought <laughs> it as well. I mean, when you fight it, it's just, like, just its face and, and then, then the, the tentacle, head. right. Yeah. Which I even interpret as a tentacle. It's, it's, yeah. It looks like a crab claw, I guess. I, I think sort it looks of. like a tentacle. But yeah, it looks like a blooper, like, Super Mario tentacle. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think, as you said earlier, I agree that the game... Um, is missing a boss fight, and I've been quotes. It doesn't. It doesn't have. It had on, only one of the types of boss that I assumed would sort of fill the game after the civil fight, which is bosses like that, which is sort of like advanced processes, like yeah. they're just distinct small guys move around a lot. Because otherwise, you just had like 
the like as we joked like the womb level boss right. uh, where you're just like a giant massive organism that you have to kill and then after that the only other boss is the final boss yeah which is just you it's a guy who's mirroring all of your abilities which I thought was really cool I yes I, Not... hate, I hated that boss <laughs> what why because it's so rote like it's just you and the other guy, and basically as long as you're not, like, a complete fuck-up, you just will win. Why? Because, okay, so you both effectively have, like, four lives, right? He doesn't do anything that you would... Does it, first of all, does this game have difficulty settings? Uh, I don't remember if it has many difficulty settings, but it's kind of irrelevant, because you can just add the, uh, difficulty but to do, things. But, yeah, but do those affect the bosses? I don't... They affect the bosses in some ways. Like, whenever the bosses would drop uh, personality cores, like the little... I don't know if that's what they're called. <laughs> that's the portal Oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Your reference to the portal is coming. But yeah, the little, like, egg guys. The like, cells? Yeah, the cells. Cells, yeah. Called. Uh, like, all, I know all the ones that affect cells still affect the cells that are dropped in boss fights at well, minimum. But no, I don't yeah. know if, like, damage ups, things like that affect the But, like, hand. Royce doesn't drop cells. Like, he's just a guy no, with no, transistor. No, no, no. I, so, I don't know. I but, know. like, he doesn't use, like strategy really he walks around until his bar is recharged uses it and so your strategy when your bar is recharging is just to put yourself in an inconvenient location so he can use fewer functions on you after it's like at like after he hits it you just stand there like you don't have the opportunity to do anything to like evade his attacks yeah you just get hit and then you use strategy that you developed over the course of the game to edge him out in damage. Like, the way I did it was to just make sure that all of my attacks were backstabs, which gives an additional 50 per He does that to you as well. Yeah. Most of the time he'll attack you from the back. And you can't edge out based on, like, whole game strategies because the, the fight, you're, because of the length, you're guaranteed to lose at least one of your functions. So okay. you have to not just going with one strategy, but like in every other point of the game, uh, you're forced to reevaluate your strategy repeatedly as the boss fight goes on. Okay, I suppose. Especially considering, well, I mean, <laughs> I went in with one, like, high damage attack that I had <coughs> put in a function <coughs> to increase its damage. So, I, because I didn't know what the boss fight was going to entail. So I just, like, jammed a bunch of damage into one thing and then had my utility functions and then bounce because it's my favorite, even though it doesn't do anything to <laughs> And, like, that's, like, I mean, so... And I lost that after he... I de- dealt, like, a bar and a half to him. Mm-hmm. And then I lost, uh... Cull. Cull. And it was, like... But I still, like, just beat him. Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, a desperation move. You have, you have, you have like, you like, all of your, like, good shit is gone now. And just like scraping by barely. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really out. funny. Like that was your strategy going in. I'm like, oh, he's gonna be really mad <laughs> <laughs> when he loses that. <laughs> well, I said like right before I did, I was just like, well, if I die once, I basically like have to start over. But then I just won anyway. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's just like I didn't find the fight real interesting, and I don't like that they used the like the the turn mechanic to. Put like narration in boss fight. Oh, so what? Screw you. What That's perfect? Already took a long time to sit there and wait while you get hit 
took even longer because he would monologue before that. He was just talking to you for the whole last level. I know. And then he was like, oh, now you're here to talk to you some more. Because neither, neither of you are fighters. Neither of you. Right. He's just a guy. Well, he's like a, clearly he's talks like, your he's fucking... He's like a government official of some kind. He's right? a scientist. And yeah. he talks your Mr. ear off scientist. all the time. The whole time leading up to this fight, he just never shuts up. He leaves yeah. you all those messages, too. Yeah, yeah. it gave me a really good motivation to fucking murder him. Exactly! <laughs> That's exactly what you want! Yeah, but I already wanted to murder him. You didn't need to waste my damn time. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to murder him more. It was... Like, one of the sort of subtly... Even calling it villainous isn't... May not even be the right thing. It makes you dislike the guy, which is the I point of villainy. I thought it made him seem crazy. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I think it's open whether how psychotic right, like, he was or not. Yeah, mm. at like certain points I would just kind of tune him out because I'm like, is he still talking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because he just rambles. That's yeah, all the guy yeah, does. Yeah, he just, he just rambles. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I, I thought it was effective. I do think that, like, the... Even though that is my least favorite of the boss fights, it is... I like the fact that the three boss fights did something very different for each one of them. And additionally, like, all three of the boss fights were different than your, like, day-to-day encounters in the world. Like, because you don't, like... Civil would be the closest, but right. also at the same time, like Civil was early enough in the game that you never, she never felt like she was similar anyway. Right. Like yeah, like the closest thing you could draw to her would be like the um, the young ladies, young ladies, yep. because it's just sort of about like avoiding them and then like using turn to come around to hit them, yeah. and but then like the Spy of the World ends up being sort of a uh, tanky boss fight, like just deal as much damage as possible. Which is not something that you generally have to care about in yeah. the game. Well, also moving constantly. Right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you have to avoid, like, the triggered, uh, the, like, timed things. The, yeah, and all the You really have to judge, by the way, when you are stopping time. Yeah. And it's, like, really the best way to do it is to just trigger turn every time that it's coming down. Because the screen shakes a little bit. Yeah, you but, get some uh, this is a strategy guy. Yeah. <laughs> transistor. But I, I think the Royce battle was, uh, is justified... <laughs> Uh, alone at, at its presence, even somewhere in the game, even if it wasn't a final boss, by how much it educates you to how diverse your strategies in the game could be. Because right. when you first go into it, I, like it took me like a few of his turns anyway for me to realize that everything he's doing is a combination of the functions I have. Right. They're all stuff that you could just hypothetically be doing, including turn itself. I'm actually really curious. I don't even know if anyone here knows this. Yeah. But does he only use four, like, functions? Or, like, four, like, main, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, four active functions? uh, It's the... I don't know the combinations off the top of my head. Well, that makes my second question irrelevant, because it was going to be, would they change if you did the boss fight over again? I was thinking about that before I made the statement. I would... I wish it does. Because that'd be really cool. Yeah. I'm worried that it might be beyond them, just given, like, the number of, like different possible combinations that are available in the game. Right. Because I don't know what criteria they choose, like how similar your movesets would have to be before you'd pick something different. But, yeah, that, that would have made that component, the, like, educational component of that last fight even more affecting. 
And the education is relevant at that point because you can just go straight on through into the New Game Plus mode right yeah. after that. Yeah, start recursion. Yeah, as many, many or other people exit do. exit shell, whatever the fuck that means. That, I that's just really how you get. quit the game. Yeah, I know, but, like, that's... Like, because recursion makes sense because, right. like, when you recur, you, you start again. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's you're playing a game within the game. Which gives credence to your fucking sandwich metaphor. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> even, even more than that, uh, when the, the, the second that you start the new game plus, uh, the opening scene of the game, which is like Blue saying, like, we're not going to get away with this, right after, right after he, she stumbles upon him being stabbed, uh, is instead Royce saying that right. from the transistor. Mm. And then you pull it out and it's... And yeah, and then it's him for the rest. Right. As That could just be an Easter egg. That like, That's another... Thing that's bad about the game being so vague narratively is that it's hard to judge which things are uh, like meaningful narrative intent by the authors and which ones aren't. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you take everything as literally as possible, it also suggests that the recurse of the game is canon and that it's just you continually going forward more and more and repeating the same cycle over and over in different transistors. Right. Does that also imply that during the whole game, the guy we're calling Blue was just sitting in a field? Don't know. Like, the whole time. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can talk to you. Yeah. It's a nice field. <sighs> um, you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. So, uh, while we're on break, uh, I was trying to... Not uh, continue talking about the sound design of this game, but as JJ pointed out, it is in fact so good. (laughs) (laughs) How good is it? It's quite good, and there is still more to be said. Specifically, uh, especially in like, I mean, I don't know. Supergiant is a, despite their name, is a small developer. They're not like huge but they're also not like super tiny like it's, the credits it, don't take very long right <laughs> no <laughs> yeah I, like i hesitate to call them a mid-sized studio but they're they're part of like a new uh realm of indie games that i think braid many years ago really began to usher in of like high quality indie like like, like the, the 15 to 20 dollar like, indie space. Right. But, I mean, even, like, Braid was effectively made by, what, one guy? Yeah, it's like, it was like Jonathan Blow, right? Yeah, Jonathan Blow, and I think he may have had, like, he did all the art. And we're talking about, like, we're not even about Braid. <laughs> <laughs> Braid's a good game. Play Braid. But, <laughs> uh, but Superdance, it's a larger team than that, but, like, even then, in the indie space, sound design is such, like, a difficult thing to pin down. It's very expensive. Yeah, like, <laughs> companies that have millions of dollars fuck up their sound design a lot. And we were just, me and Andy were just talking about this today, or maybe yesterday, that, like, Skyrim, made by Bethesda, oh, yeah. <laughs> uses the same dude for, like, 15 NPCs. Yep. And the voice acting in Transistor is almost flawless. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is outstanding. And, like, all, like the little, like, your, like, transistors barks and uh, the, like, enemy noises and your, the all of the, what are they called, the little terminals? 
Oh, the OVC terminals? Yeah, like... Have... Da, 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 <laughs> but, and they all have narration that's all narrated basically perfectly fine. Not like all of them, just the ones that are recordings. Oh, well, well, at least some of them are stories that are narrated, like yeah. news stories that are narration. And, I don't know, and that's just like... That's a level of detail that like I just don't expect from this like scale of game. What did you mean when you said by sound design is expensive earlier? Uh, it, yeah, it costs a lot to do. Like yeah. compared to other things that you could spend money on in the game? I don't know anything about this stuff yeah. comparatively, which is why I asked. It's, I think it's more of like a, it's more of like a niche thing. If you have to like hire... Yeah, like specific like sound people to do the sound design. Yeah, it's the same as with like art or uh, well, yeah, art's a big one. Uh, <laughs> it's similar to art. Yeah, music. well, I mean, like art isn't like the visual design of a game. A lot of the time, uh, that can be sort of like the people they'll they'll contract people in to make art for the game. And once a game has assets, especially at the indie level, they tend to use those assets to create the majority of like what needs to appear visually on screen mm -hmm. and it's just manipulated uh like through the actual coding but with music and with sound design it's stuff that has to be individually created and recorded and re-recorded and like properly like implemented throughout the game and it is something that's difficult to nail down which is why you see so many indie games in the like four to five dollar range right. they just have like the one royalty free track on repeat yeah for like the unless, whole game yeah, unless you want to shell out money for pre-existing sound effects you have to record all your own right yeah. and so i think what like actually it says about super giant games is that they're a group of incredibly talented fucking people yeah <laughs> because the game like controls well it does have the feeling of a game that was made on a lower budget. Yep. It, I want to say the art assets are on the same level as like a Ubisoft game. Like it reminds me a lot of Rayman in Child of Light. Like all the art assets. Good comparison. Are on the same yeah. like they're on the same level, and it's made by like a small indie company. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, that kind of thing is on the same level. But at the same time, it's not like fucking like. <laughs> full 3D models and like light shaders going right. god rays well, fucking same... shooting through <laughs> it's the same as Child of Light in that right. sense it's, it's still just like mostly uh, like sprite based 2D right. arts and in, in terms of production values I would even argue that Transistor kind of eclipses Child of Light as a specific comparison because of the really superior sound design everything has you know not only does it have like the beautiful background tracks uh, that I would argue both games have in some kind of measure, but it has all the like tiny little sounds, mm -hmm. the like you said earlier, loading up of the terminals and the sounds from all your different like moves and hits, which are which are all notably actually different. Yes, it is. Bravo. Didn't uh, Child of Light get like shafted though in its development? It got shafted at the end, soft, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know how much that would affect the sound design specifically, but I still think it's a. It came from a, it came from a head studio. That makes the comparison valid in some way. Yep. Yeah. I do know um, in terms of I wish I looked up a specific credit. Uh, the voice actor uh, for Blue uh, for the transistor uh, is the same guy who did the narration in Bastion. I haven't played Bastion. 
Yeah, I don't know the guy's name either. It's on my Steam. But the point being, it's just the narrator and Bastion was also held when it came out. So it's just that one guy is also just <laughs> yeah. ludicrously good at his job. Yeah. Um, they're they're he, like... He really makes the game, I yeah. think. There's, well, he, trust me, he makes Bastion, like, for a lot of people as well. Where it's just like, that, like that guy just fucking sells it. Because like, he really holds it together while you're playing. This, that's a real shame. Uh... That, like, we don't know that dude's name. Yeah. Because there's a... Like, while you're talking. Now, that, I made the comparison to the the robot in Portal 2. Oh, like, Wheatley? Feels, yeah, Wheatley. Yeah. He fills a similar role as yeah. like, he, he talks to the silent protagonist the whole time. Right. Instead of, like, humor and, like, various little, you know, attractive quips, this guy is just, like, the smoothest fucking dude. He's also he, funny, though. And he also doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. About. I don't know what that was about. Got all the t- all the contextual quips uh, from the transistor too. I remember one that stuck out to me when I was watching you oh, play it from the transistor two, 2016's <laughs> transistor sequel. Screw you! It's the same game, it just leads more credence to my theory. <laughs> but uh, it, like one of the earlier Crazy times, dips. <laughs> creedy depths. <laughs> when the dogs appeared. Uh, uh, it was like actually in a combat setting. Uh, he was just going like, "Stay, right. stay here, boy." And then right when your meter recharges, when you have access to turn, mm. he goes fetch. And then it, that is the point at which you like can like press the button and like actually go with it, and it mm-hmm. syncs perfectly. So good. Yeah. And there was just so many different other like quips and moments like that uh, get come up from that guy. Yeah, which is, there are a lot of like. Um, did you situational look ones. I am yeah. dull. My phone is upstairs in my room because I didn't want it to make noise. Good, good, good call. Well, either way, it really is it's it's my point. There's so many like video game voice actors that, like, that people talk about because of how rare it is to have like such good voice acting in a game. And there's these people that basically like unsung. Like you have people like Keith David. Who is in like a hundred games? Yeah. <laughs> or like Wheatley in Portal Two is just Stephen Merchant, who is a celebrity. So. Or uh, also in Portal Two, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, Valve is uh, like a small country. It was worth of wealth. So I guess <laughs> yeah. they could just do that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, like if you like you like like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who plays Blue and is the narrator in Bastion. The guy who's the narrator in the Stanley Parable, who wasn't even, like, an actor. Like, they just found that guy and had him do that. Uh, the Cat Lady had great voice acting. Cat Lady had great voice acting. We're gonna, we're gonna talk <laughs> about that game. The cat lady. Wait, wait, Cat Lady in what? You never played it. It's it was that adventure game. We talked about. We should at least tell them what that adventure game with the cat lady is. Oh yeah. Well, no, it's not the it's the game is called the Cat Lady. Oh yeah. Play the cat. So it's the cat lady in the Cat Lady. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the characters in Cat Lady are well voiced. All right. But uh, yeah, and geez, yeah, and people just don't know who they are. Yeah. It's crazy. It's I mean, it happens, but (laughs) I shouldn't be the review guys on your phones either. I've got my phone. I just decided I was gonna. I guess I could go on a whole spiel. Lazy pieces of garbage. Yeah. Well, if only more people knew about who these VOs were. But I'm not gonna look it up <laughs> <laughs> on this thing that looks things up in seconds. Yeah. But God, while you're doing that, I uh, also want to sing praise for uh, the 
singer who did all the songs in the game, obviously. And she really sold the one hey that she had. Yeah. <laughs> like the one spoken line yeah. of dialogue. Yeah. Now, yeah. I expected her to get her voice back after you beat the final boss. Mm-hmm. But she does not. This guy's name is Logan Cunningham. Alright. Good job. Yeah. Email incoming. <laughs> to me again. <laughs> uh, my inbox is just full of emails from the podcast's email account, which if you didn't know is noclippodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> they just say good job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But as Andy was talking about a little bit earlier, the visual design. Also works well with the game. Uh, it's not really, like, up my alley, so to speak. But, like, it fits with the game really well. I don't know exactly how much there is to say about it, but I have a feeling that somebody <laughs> does. <laughs> well, as Andy uh, said before either of you had even started playing the game, it's disgustingly up my alley. It so. is. I just wish I, unlike specifically you, had any of the vocabulary necessary to talk about this sort of intelligently. Because pretty much all I can say is good, pretty, great, great. And right, yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty, great, great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it, that's, yeah. The one thing that I'll say about it uh, is a lot of it looks... Like has a feel of like concept art to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you see a lot of concept art, and it's like this beautiful, like you know, like ridiculous, like awesome, like like lighting and contrast, and like you know, like right. these like cool perspectives on like the environments in the game. I have this like picture in my mind of like cloud stripe standing on top of like a like a grassy hill yeah. like sword behind his back yeah sunlight shining down but then like in the game it's, it's just like, like a horrible a polygons <laughs> it's like it looks like this like the concept art transitioned to the, the game art better than in most games right yeah like they basically just drew the concept art like and then just computer and yeah just like put it in and then just like you can walk here yeah uh, there's a really high level of detail Mm. yeah that is an impressive amount and like especially like we're gonna keep talking about the spine of the world even though he's not a particularly interesting boss fight and a little bit unusual he's not even really a character yeah a character at all uh but like just like the fact that the you as you're walking, there's like the camera will follow you like loosely, like as you transition, like it doesn't just like stick centered on you. And so you have like the buildings in the background, and then like the parallax like buildings further back, uh, that cr- and then like the spine will like flash by in the back, mm-hmm. and you just you can see like. You could maybe if you freeze framed, froze framed, <laughs> freeze framed. I think freeze framed. Freeze framed. You could like tell basically. You could actually get like a sense of depth as to like where he was because like he would be obscured by some buildings and not by others. Mm-hmm. Like the the they they did have like a level of detail in the art that I didn't really expect from like an isometric gr- grid based yeah like <laughs> action RPG. It's really kind of. I don't know, it's impressive. Yeah, 
High praise all around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Other like, per, yeah, I mean, personally speaking, I think my favorite thing that they did with the art is the fact that they made your character stand out so harshly from the environment because there's never a point where you're walking around going like, I don't know where I am. Because <laughs> the environment is blue and you are red? Yeah, like very specifically. <laughs> Dude, the next thing that deserves high praise, and I believe the highest praise deserved all around, uh, is the actual, not combat system broadly, not everything that you do, not the turn system, but just the skill interactions. The like RPG mechanics of this game is probably i think the best realized set of like mechanic rpg elements uh that i am aware of the claims they're so bold <laughs> bold so, bold claims in this room <laughs> tuscan <laughs> claims <laughs> uh i mean yeah it's good it is that's also kind of compare compare <laughs> the skills in this game to since we played it as like a group yesterday, Bloodborne. Right. In Bloodborne, when you gain a level, you get points that are kind of vaguely defined and do a bunch of different tiny things, and they're all very small and just like statistical advantages over a bunch of different, uh, you know, different sets. Right. You see a bunch of stats turn green and red, and then you go, uh, oh, yeah. okay. You, you hit things, and you see the numbers go up a little bit. Right. But it doesn't change anything about that, what you do. Right. As everything improves in the game, not just yourself, but the enemies too, they're all differences in kind. Right. Everything that like you do to advance changes the way that the game plays. Even even death, instead of taking like the lazy route that no one ever thinks about, like criticize or or consider of that people just assume that when like dies a fail state and that death in the context of a game should be like you didn't you were wrong, do that again. Right. This game uses death as a way to continue to further the mechanics of the game by just forcing you to experiment more. Right. Because that's what the game is good at. There's just so many ways that the game can produce differences in kind with all the different combinations. I should have, frankly, just run the math on this. Uh, because when you get into these kind of, like, you know, set relationships, the numbers can get really, really Really high, astronomically real huge. Yeah. Because, yeah. what, there are four... That doesn't even matter. For any one given ability... They're 16, 12? I think, I think 16. So that means you'd have 15 times 14 different uh, combinations of just one skill. Right. So yeah, so for each one, I was just going to say, for each like one skill, you have up to two slots to add additional things to. Yeah. So yeah, like it, the, the number of permutations of like which thing to go where is... Sixteen yeah, times fourteen is two hundred and twenty-four. Not sixteen times fourteen. Fifteen times fourteen. Yeah. Two hundred and ten. Right. <laughs> and that's one skill. And I, now, granted, the numbers get smaller because you have less choices over time. But there are three more combat skills and four passive slots if you want them. Right. The ways that you can play this game are just ludicrously diverse. One thing I've never tried that I think I might do it on rec- on recursion uh, when I inevitably play this game again since it's become one of my favorites is I'm going to see if it's possible to play the game without using turn. Because you can use jaunt as a splice to make things available out of turn I... and you can use the stealth function out of turn too. Right. That's actually going to be... This is... 
I don't even know how much this relates. Because I actively wanted to play the game as much out of turn as possible, mm -hmm. because I just don't like the mechanic. Me, personally, I don't think it's bad. I can get that. <laughs> uh, but I think it would be, be really difficult, because in order to make the most out of using other abilities with Jaunt, yeah. you have to... First of all, you're going to want to have two slots on Jaunt. You put, but then when you put additional things into it, it just becomes de facto the first thing that you lose, unless you purposefully like t put like a really high memory thing as like your like detachable limb. Like this is the thing I can lose before losing John. I didn't know um, until I watched you guys play it that, that was the mechanic by which it's chosen what function you lose when you die the first time. Right. I don't know whether I like that or dislike that. I notably didn't know until like way late in the game and can tell you for sure that it did not alert me of that until that point. So I was like four hours into the game, four or five. I wonder it even triggered the alert because I never got the alert. Yeah. Like it like I had put well, I think it's because I took up like two thirds of the memory bar. With one skill? Oh. Because I had jammed a call into Breach. So it, like, the together... <laughs> I think it was, like, seven or eight memory bars of, like, your allotted, like, 12 at the beginning. <laughs> By the end, I had, like, I think 18. It's, like, 24. Well, I had upgraded it twice. Oh, it's four levels too. much. Right. But, yeah, I, on the pro side of allowing system to work that way is that... Like so many other times in the turn system, it allows you to make educated, like strategic decisions about the way that you play the game. Right. You have to be. You have to know. Yeah. That if you fuck up, you'll lose the highest one. Right. On the con side, it seems like, for the reason that you described earlier, it par it partially removes some of the function that removing functions is supposed to allow, which is to force you to think on your feet. Because you can intentionally load up a skill with the expectation that it's the one you'll lose first so you don't lose the more important skill. Right. Then it, the system is not serving its purpose as well as it could otherwise. So I, I honestly don't know whether I like that it works that way or not. Yeah. I don't know whether I prefer it to just be like random one of the four. I have to say, personally, I wish everyone could have experience. If, if maybe it is, maybe people do, but it had experienced it the way that I did because personally I like not knowing like, feeling like it was random yeah. what I was going to lose, and then knowing by the end of the game when it really matters <laughs> that you lose the highest memory thing first. And I did test that, and it that is true. Mm -hmm. Like, that is just... It didn't just say that. <laughs> no <laughs> lies from the <laughs> uh, oh. But yeah, I don't know. I mean... I don't want to, like, jump way back, but I feel like we got a little bit off into the weeds there. But... On the note of, like, how many different permutations of things it does, yeah, that's, I would argue, sort of an illusion. Because, like, things like turn, turn is the turn skill, not what I meant, uh, switch. Oh, Things like switch. switch just add the same effect to each thing. You know, things like crash and breach, just off the top of my head, uh, do similar things, but they are things that they had to actually, like alter the behavior of the attack itself to do. Uh, but, like, with turn, it, or with switch, it's literally just, like, 
you put this in, and if you hit someone with it, they become friendly unless they're a mutant. Yeah. So like, and I think with call, like whatever you attach it to, it just knocks enemies up in the air. Right. Like, no matter what it is. I think it usually increases damage, but that's just numbers going up again. Right. Like that's that is like the expected thing to happen. What the game excels at is like the experimentation. Though I don't know all of the exact permutations, obviously, because I, I didn't memorize like two hundred and whatever different subdivisions. <laughs> two ten is what but we figured out. I would argue that that is actually better. Because I don't think the fact that you can expect adding one function to another makes that illusory. I mean, there's like a, there's a distinct difference between I'm going to put the like call ability on bounce so that I can throw it into a group and like it hit six people and have them all bounce into the air for a different time, <laughs> right. or, or putting it on breach so that I can like hit through walls and hit like different individuals. Right. Like even if each function just does one thing, which, by the way, isn't the case. They sure. do do just, like, different things based on the functions that you attach them to, too, uh, that it would still produce, like, significant differences because the functions that you're adding them to have different uses. Well, all I'm saying is that I don't feel like it's, like, a... This game has an infinite combination of things to do. I just think that it's, like... It just adds a layer of depth to what you can do. Yeah. Especially since the majority of the attacks come down to, like... Close range versus long range, light versus heavy attacks. And then there are utility attacks, which are where the game really shines, in my opinion. Oh, I Because you can glue the utilities onto other things, or other things onto your utilities, to give it, like... It, it kind of lets you lean importance on what you want. This is probably a good time to talk about the actual, like strategies that we all implemented by the end game so that we can get a feel for the amount of This is going to be really funny. Uh, mine was just, like, I did almost no experimentation and stuck with, like, the same set the whole game. It was all offense all the time. Crash, Breach, Spark, and Jaunt. Right. Breach everything all the time. If for any reason you need to use, like, an extra move, sandwich, a crash in there. Um... And if you lose Breach, you crash things and then spark the crap out of them right. until you can get Breach back. <laughs> <laughs> and jaunt around everywhere. Yeah. That's how I played the whole game. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I actively dislike... I was afraid that I was going to... I have a note on my phone that talks about how like I thought the, the combat system was a really novel idea, but I thought that it was executed poorly and that I didn't like I didn't have fun playing it Oof. for the first two hours of the game <laughs> but then I unlocked Bounce which completely changed my perspective on everything. Why do you like Bounce so much? You said this so many times. Because you can fucking glue stuff to it and eventually I found that Switch is just my favorite thing to glue to it because just being like you are all my friend <laughs> is an amazing thing to do uh, but yeah like I, I mean Jaunt is really important I think to all of us Right? Yeah, you said yeah. that you played for a while without it. Yeah. But yeah. Jaunt, I, like, I, I eventually... went for a stealth build at one point where I would try and stealth out of combat instead of jaunting. Right. Uh, and, and just allow me to have more time of safety and not have to worry about constantly dodging things. Right. Uh, you also, you did something. I forget when I learned this. I think it was like really late. Oh, my. You found the god mode thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my strategy at the. by like two thirds of the way through the game, like the thing that I just did was I used Jaunt to get next to an enemy, crashed them, 
then used Breach or Call, whichever one I had equipped at the time, mm -hmm. to, like, do... with That was equipped with the mask function to give additional backstab damage. So crash to increase the... To do, like, the crash combo damage. Then mask for backstab damage. And then I would throw bounce at any other enemies in the vicinity so that that guy would die and everyone else would go away. <laughs> that was just my, like, that's how I, that was my thing. The thing that I settled on by the end of the game uh, was a combination, like a double-edited version of Jaunt uh, that caused Jaunt to produce copies of yourself that were like clones uh, but also with like the little starting shock thing that creates a bunch of tiny little explosive grenades the thing you used too oh yeah yeah it turns out those in combination just creates more copies so that you could run and it would create literally like six clones of yourself in a line from where you ran mm -hmm. so I would just keep running in circles cloning myself until I had <laughs> dozens of clones on the map all at the same time uh, while using an ability that I'm not sure if either of you guys e even got through leveling, because I used, I used limiters a bunch, so I, I wanted to make it harder and slower. Uh, it's like an AoE debuff thing. So I would just sprint around while AoE debuffing people out of... Uh, I think that's Flood, isn't it? Uh, no, 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 that's the really slow-moving ball. This, oh, is like okay. a, this is like a big red thing that looks really intimidating. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think, no, I didn't get that. Yeah, it's, it's the function of... of um, the guy you think is the final boss with the coat... Right. Uh, it's like his function as like a weird debuff thing. So I'd run around doing that uh, and then also uh, used bounce if I thought there'd be a bunch of people and if I didn't use bounce uh, then I would just like do like different crash combinations and stuff. I forget, I switched around the attack slot. But the point being, I played the game like a million different ways by the end because I kept being forced to try and play it differently because I would keep like losing because I had so many limiters on it. Right. Um, yeah, if I hadn't discovered my like just like single target kill system mm -hmm. uh, honed from years of playing hero clicks uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, if I hadn't discovered that like I don't know I I really didn't want to use the turn system I thought that it took a lot of like what I thought the fun and strategy of like an isometric perspective combat oriented game would be mm -hmm. uh and, like, I was just trying to not use it. So I would just, like, I used help and jaunt and bounce. And I would try and, like, I would call in the dog and then r try and run away and then just throw projectiles at people and then only use turn if I was, like, in danger. Yeah. And the game allowed that. Sort of. I sucked at it, but <laughs> it, it's not Hotline Miami, as it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how trash. Uh, like, you kept so many times espousing, like, the miracle of breach. Oh yeah, um, breach is the best move in the game. I, that isn't John. Completely disagree. I think breach is the is the easy move, and I think breach exists as a way for someone who like like you who wasn't interested in experimenting as much to just have something that's okay at all times, and particularly in combinations with the like different AOE explosion things and the packets. I tried using packets once, but they were a bit too unreliable, so I stopped. You can do so much more damage than like like, breach combinations in a turn by, like, dropping essentially an explosive and then hitting with ping or something. So you just cause, like, a million explosions all in the same place. I don't know. I think breach has, like, a really valid strategic function that other skills just don't have. Because, like, especially, like, 
<laughs> the game for- basically forces you to, and as the game goes on, forces you more and more to always kill weeds first. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, like, a requirement of the system that the game runs on. Yeah. And Breach does a spectacular job of that, because they all have less than 100 health. And you just line them up and yeah, just it's a strong blast them. Like, you can use something like Bounce to try and hit them, but more often than not, they're, like, within, like, boxes. To clarify, I'm not saying that Breach is bad. I'm saying Breach is an average. I'm uh, saying Breach exists as, like, the one thing that's always good that you can always do. Right. But yeah, having to it's worry about good. messing It's always good. <laughs> It's just, you could, particularly because you could control the difficulty of the game as much as you want with the limiter system, right. get through the whole game with nothing but buff damage buffs and breach if you wanted to. I didn't think it was fun. I kept actively trying to find other things that outdamaged it. I did, but they had other costs by being less reliable on things. And also being like taking a huge amount of planning time. Because, <laughs> like... That's why you use Breach for the most part, really, was just because, like... You get three off enough. Yeah, it's high damage, and I could combine it with a jaunt, a bounce, and a crash. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that just... Crash, Breach, Breach. Yeah, (laughs) Crash, Breach, Breach, (laughs) Jaunt. I'm just... God, I love... God in heaven. Oh, Jesus! (laughs) Lord and Savior! Thank you for this bounty of Transistor. <laughs> breach sister, the breach. Yeah. I don't know, by the end of it, even the Grinchiest of us, being me, uh, was converted to at least, like, somewhat enjoying the combat system. But I appreciated how, like, short... I feel like I say this like at, on every game. I'm yeah. like, I love how short this game was. Now, I <laughs> I'm like, this game didn't take up too much time. Now, I actually think the shorter length was beneficial to the game as well. Right. Because I wasn't like... I never felt like it burned me out. Because like right. the combat's a slow, sort of planned, methodical yeah, the, process. Yeah, the pacing was good. Right. With the exception of that one boss fight. That yeah, it could have used one more boss yeah, fight. But the crazy thing opinion. about it is the fact that there are so many combinations of things, and while I don't necessarily know that the like the math would have allowed for them to put more like uh, functions into the game, the system that they had set up could have sustained most, like, full-length retail RPGs. Completely agree. Yeah, like, you could, I, I would, like, you could easily sell a Final Fantasy game that played like this and was 60 hours long. Yeah. The, making the Final Fantasy comparison does touch up uh, one of the other very, very few things I can say I wish the game did better in some respect. While the combat system on your end, like the skills you pick, allows you to play the game radically differently... And the enemies individually that you face all play radically differently as they like evolve and get new abilities. I never thought that the like encounter design, I guess I'd call it, leveled up or got particularly better. Like they'd have very rarely you'd have a few that were like really different. Like uh, remember this one that's optional where you walk into a very tiny room and there's just walls everywhere and you're trapped and you have to like get through the walls one way or oh, the other. Yeah. Right. yeah. But most of the time it was just like here's a zone with some cover and a bunch of guys in it of different combinations and they all like the opponents like with the exception of maybe the cluckers don't attack you with like a coherent strategy as a group 
They just all individually do their things and kind of bum rush you. Right. And it's up to you to respond to them intelligently. Um, but I wish that at some point in the game I'd felt like the enemies as a unit were doing something different. Uh, I, like, I never... I felt like I was always attacking a mob. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the process is like... And I feel like that is sort of written into the character of the process, is that they're not really, like... With the exception of the weird instance where you walk in and all of the cluckers are sitting, like, in an opera house. Like, <laughs> in rows in seats. They never really appear to be, like, ruling. Like, they don't sit around and sort of, like, plan no, anything. I don't... I think you're missing a couple more examples from the very end of the game. At first, they're characterized as, like your generic, like, Borg or thing that just absorbs all life, whatever. Right. But then after that, they, like, express, like, individual wills. Uh, they, you have, maybe not individual wills, they express some kind of purpose to all of their actions. Right. Uh, you have all of those camera guys who intentionally leave the poster of Red up and just take a million photographs of her constantly. Right. Uh, you have, like, uh, all of the, I forget the names, like the, the ladies, the like mothers that teleport around when you hit them once. The young ladies? Young ladies, that's yeah. it. Uh, who are like, have some kind of weird nursery going on. You have the cluckers who, again, are like seated in rows, all right. like waiting for you to like try and sing for them. Right. And enjoying it when you do. Well, I think, okay, I think I can understand that from like a narrative perspective in that in the game proper... For the most part, you're going through Cloud Bank and it's sort of like vacant mm -hmm. because because everybody died. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, and like during that time, the process is just like actively taking over. Yeah. And when they're acting like they give a shit about anything, is when you're back in Fairview and everything just is white. Like, it has been a process. Yeah, yeah. Their just, job is effectively done. They're not fighting a war anymore. Right. They're just trying to live their lives now. But then... Their creepy, creepy process <laughs> lives. But then the things that you fight are men. men. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's honestly kind of a big open question for me. I... The men look almost nothing like all of the other, like, process creatures. Right. I'm kind of assuming that they're, like, some kind of, like, Final creation, or like like all the different process permutations where them trying to imitate uh, what other people look like. No, I say not to draw more parallels to Ubisoft games, <laughs> but they kind of look like how the Rakshasa are like personified in Far Cry Four, where they they look almost like tribal, hmm. and they have like a sort of uh, they have an animal, not an animalistic demeanor, but like. They when they switch between things like they'll when they're in speedy they run on all fours yeah they're creepy yeah. <laughs> they attack their hair right to attack their hair cuts yeah yeah one of the weirdest named enemies yeah like. I, well, I love that like when they throw their hair at you they get like a status effect like whenever you hit an enemy. Like if it's a backstab, it'll put in parentheses backstab after yeah, yeah. it registers the attack. And sometimes it'll be like they're masked and so they're immune to something. But then when you hit one of them that is that has thrown their hair, it just identifies them as shaved. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, like it just said, it's like, man, shaved. Whoa. Like, what? 
God. Uh, this is one avenue where I admittedly don't have all of the like lore or back knowledge to be able to defend whether or not they'd like become autonomous or not. But you can get it because using the limiters opens up like pages about all the process. They're like Royce's research notes, essentially, uh, all the limiters. But so yeah. Regardless, though, I think we can agree that they became less mob-like over the game. So I wish that also over the game, the encounter design also became less mob-like. Okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, I think that the enemy design overall is cool, but I yeah, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty co- hard-hitting fucking analysis. <laughs> pretty cool, uh, but at the same time, I, I do feel like. I think that it was just the what happened when they took their enemy AI and just threw it into an arena and just said, like, what's going to happen? Yeah. I feel like they could have done more with the design of the levels themselves, like your encounter areas. Because they, put, they fence you off. They put you in a prescribed area to do it, so they had a lot of an opportunity to, like, give you sort of, like, an interesting, like, battle situation, but they did just sort of substitute in... Uh, like, just sporadically placing blocks. Yeah. And all the blocks are destructible, too. So the, the So you could theoretically just clear the map before fighting. They respawn. Oh, okay. They do. Uh, I don't know the speed at which they respawn. I'm just saying, I, I guess, from their perspective, they could have conceptualized that as, like, a, another tactical workaround for the player, or, like, any obstruction put up from you for a cost can be removed. Right, like Although, an action which well, takes a... Like Space Invaders? <laughs> shoot through the shield. Shield? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually. It's kind of, yeah, it's got yeah. a space invaders feel to it. Uh, what a rip-off. <laughs> <laughs> or skin. But, uh, but I don't know. I think that the most... Because, like, honestly, I feel like that was fine. I feel like if we did extrapolate it to the level that I described and put it into, like, a 60 game. Oh, yeah. That would have had to have changed at some point. Agreed. But I think the most egregious offense is the fact that by the end of the game, every encounter is just with men. So it's like, you fight men, and then you fight two men, and then you fight three, and then you fight four and six, and then they're like, that's that's like the most linear way of like, increasing difficulty. I like that was like a drop-off in difficulty, too, because I didn't think those guys were that hard to fight. They were hard as shit for me. Yeah, well, it's because you didn't use breach. Yeah, that's what it was. with breach. Yeah, and you, you didn't use the. Well, also, yeah. I didn't realize the hilarity that ensued when when you switch a man. Oh, <laughs> that's, a weird, that's a weird statement. Yeah. When you switch a man, uh, like his hair. <laughs> this is the best <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I didn't realize I was in the middle of a masterpiece. When you switch, a when man. you switch a man, his haircut will attack him. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> inscribe it against a mountain. <laughs> when you switch a man, his haircut will attack him. I didn't know. God, I think. I think in those encounters, they just kept... The reason that they felt like they had the excuse to just at, keep adding more men uh, was <laughs> More men. It's <laughs> raining men. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's They thought that the, the men themselves stood uh, like desi- designed well enough that the encounters could still be interesting because they all have like different forms that they dynamically switch between. Right. 
Although, I also concede that they didn't have as much of an impact as they, like, appeared to, conceptually. Mm -hmm. I never, uh, as part of the whole, like, mob mentality, too, I felt like they didn't behave quite as differently. They just seem like they always stealth through their hair at you, and yeah. that's pretty much it. Well, the, the hair itself deals, like, three oh, quarters of your health, yeah. so... Oh, yeah, the hair mechanic, I think, is cool, because they right. also speed up progressively the longer you let them live. Right. So It's like Pac-Man. <laughs> well, it's not like Pac-Man. It's all in the same space. Yeah. But that's what it felt like, because you're just always running away from the hair. It, it appeals to the horror that the men are sort of, I think, trying to, to evoke in all the sec sequences where they exist, because it's ambiguous whether the, like, the old processes were used to be people that are like turned into these things. Right. I think that's... I feel like that's, that, that's stated. Well, even if it was, like, I don't know whether they, like, used their matter or whether it's, like, right. a soul trapped in these bodies or yeah, something. Yeah, because any other time you just see there's, like, traces floating or, yeah. like, it's things like a literal corpse and you absorb it. Maybe what? it's, like, a heartless and nobody thing. I don't know. The process <laughs> of nobody is the traces or the heartless. <laughs> Either way, though, the, the men are, like, very different than every process, including their, like, crazy hair shit looks different than anything any of the other processes do. And sometimes and get stuck in walls. The one glitch that I've ever seen in that game was the hair getting stuck in a wall. Right. Um, but the way that the, that the hair just sort of tracks behind you and like creeps up faster and faster. Right. It's like a horror movie thing. and You can't really interact with them as well as you'd want to sometimes. Yep, they will just jump out of nowhere to attack you. I think the visual design uh, and generally speaking the men work I, I I just I do agree with Andy though that it was a bit of a drop off compared to the prior diversity because I don't think the even though the men switch between forms their forms don't create differences in the fights in the way that like having a third level jerk yeah uh, can, who can just like for, pull you out of position right. or a clucker with like a thing on the ground uh, that'll cause you to like go out of turn if you hit it or the cameras who will just limit information to you That's, see I agree with you so much. That I'm going to combine your two points into one mega agreeable point. Oh man, <laughs> so much agreement. The most valuable point ever conceived. <laughs> in that, the like the men do a good job of, like in their design, but they because it doesn't create too much variety. If they had lost that mob mentality and actually worked together, the fact that the hair deals so much damage and that they have that they themselves are so unpredictable that if they had ever put you in a situation where they, like, cornered you, the fight would be, like, incredibly intense. But just putting more of them in a smaller area doesn't force that to happen. Oh, yeah, because you can just avoid them. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, you have to avoid the hair at all costs or else you <laughs> just get murdered. So, like, having two of them, like, coordinate an attack on you would just completely wreck you. Though the best enemy combination, though, is Clucker Snapshot Level 3, because that is well, fucking hard. And you, and you throw the cheerleaders in there. <laughs> yeah, um, just to ruin everything yeah. more. Yeah, cheerleaders that, mm. with the Cluckers, I think, is like one of the worst combinations. God. The more we're talking about this, the more it is making me feel like they just hit like an AI wall, given their budget level, maybe. Right. Um, it's possible. Yeah, it could just be me trying to make excuses for like any blemish and... What is like my tenth favorite game of all time, but yeah, it's oh. hmm. yeah. I mean, that's like the one. Like I said, like I like most of what this game brings to the table. I just it's just not really for me. I guess I don't know. 
God, was it for me? <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> All right. I'm the middle ground. I yeah. give it. I give it a red out of green. I thought it was out of blue. I thought it was out of green. I well, I give it a red out of blue. Yeah. How about that? It's a red across the board. Is what you're saying? Yeah, red across the board. <laughs> uh, well, as this game's biggest proponent, is there anything else that you would like to bring up before we bring this to a close? Uh, just make sure, go ahead and play the recursion uh, if you haven't already. Uh, but it's because being able to go through all of the challenges of the game with your full equipment set unlocked will only continue to allow you to experiment more as time goes on. Uh, I, I know a complaint that I've heard of the game elsewhere is that um, you don't have enough time to experiment uh, given the amount of different functions you keep getting right up to the very end of the game Mm -hmm. Uh, but that is solved Um, you also get more little side challenges which we didn't really talk about much because both of you guys kind of hated them I assume (laughs) well no I didn't hate them I just didn't want to do them which is fine I interacted with those kinds of things the way I always do in games I'll do them like halfway and then I'll get (laughs) bored with it (laughs) yeah like uh, you know that I like sing the praises of Mirror's Edge more so than most people Mm -hmm. Uh, and like it had it had like a strong emphasis on it's like time trial mode Never touched it. <laughs> like, I just, like, that level of personal challenge is not what I play games for most of the time. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the, the final point, though, is that I'm trying to get across is that there's just more there. There's more there for you to search narratively if you want it, uh, because a lot of the things make more sense in context to the second playthrough. Uh, there is more there mechanically, uh, both in terms of the things at your disposal and the challenges that the game presents to you. Um, so... Just keep going at it and play the game forever. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's what we're trying to get across here. Yeah. <laughs> Please never stop playing. Play the game forever and pay attention to everything, yeah. says JJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, yeah, and then drive to, what was it again? Greg Kasavin? Is that the guy's name? No. The head of. No, the head oh. of. <laughs> the, guy, the guy from Super Giant Games. Oh. He's the I was trying to remember the yeah. name of the voice actor. No, no. I was like, that's not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to drive to Greg Evans' house and just give him money. And that's what we're actually trying to say. Yeah. That's, I don't think that's what we're trying to say. <laughs> no, don't. Also, don't play Transistor forever. You will forget to eat and die. <laughs> Goodbye. I mean, unless that's the way you want to go out. He went out doing what he loves. Yeah. He used bridge one million (laughs) times, and then his heart stopped. He went out breaching. (laughs) (laughs) Just his nature intended. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Well... Thank you, and you stuck through the last five minutes of this <laughs> uh, for listening to us here on NoClip. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can at NoClipPodcast at gmail.com, at NoClipPodcast on Twitter, and at our website on NoClipPodcast.com. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, NoClip. Uh, we will be notified of anything that comes through any of those channels, so... Just pick whichever one's your favorite, really, and yeah. let us know. Give us some feedback. Yeah, uh, if you feel like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe on Twitter. I don't think you can do that. 
<laughs> Do the impossible for us. <laughs> Get a job at Twitter. Twitter and then implement that functionality so that you can do it. Um, next time, we're going to be talking about Life is Strange. Yeah, you know, if JJ finishes it. I'll yeah. finish it. I'll finish it. <laughs> he will finish it. It's not very long. <laughs> but uh, this, is the, this is the inverse situation where it's a game that me and Andy had played like individually. And both really liked, and are now going to have JJ play and yep. see what happens. He'll probably feel meh about it. But we'll find out. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So, uh. Um, Tune in next time. <laughs> on a very special episode. Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck us. Thank you for listening. See you later. <laughs> the dragon. The dragon. Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. Uh, I'm fucking gonna screw everything up again. God, you, oh. I'm really bad. Oh, I'm the worst. You are really bad. Come on, Ogden. Welcome to No Clip. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rowe. Why did I clap? All right, let's take a second. All right, and we just have to, calm like, down. We have to.